went, no, listening to British Birds, the True Crime Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to British Murders, the podcast that focuses exclusively on British murder cases with an occasional glimpse at horror movies. I'm your host Stuart Blues and this is the second episode of season six. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Dr. Richard Shepard. If you've ever wondered what being a forensic pathologist is like, it's back to business this week though, but before we get there, let's break the ice as we always do. The show's first opening icebreaker segment is this. Welcome to Daddy Fat. Here is this week's dad fact. As of 1912, Olympic gold medals are, on average, 93% silver. Not really a gold medal, then, is it? You still win. So it's gold in that sense, just not the literal sense. Very disappointed. What a con. Money-saving tactics from the Olympic committee there. The second and final opening icebreaker segment is this. Satsuji Haiku. And here is this week's case-related murderous haiku. A mother's embrace. I wish I knew that feeling, but I never will. A haiku is a Japanese poem made up of 17 syllables in three lines of 5, 7 and 5. It's also meant to be read in one breath. Please feel free to send me your own haikus if you wish. I will read them on a future episode. And with my intro icebreakers complete, let's get into this week's case. It was suggested in November 2021 by a listener who has requested to remain anonymous. The reason for such is that they have a very close connection with this week's case. I owe said listener a huge thank you because they provided me with some crucial information that wasn't readily available online. We're north of the border this week in Scotland's capital city of Edinburgh. Specifically, we're in the residential estate of Muir House, one of Edinburgh's most deprived areas, which is located in the capital's Drylaw area. Here are five quickfire facts about Edinburgh. Two towns form the city of Edinburgh, the Old Town and the New Town. There are around 900 listed buildings in Edinburgh. Only one other UK city has more, and that is London. Edinburgh had one of the first concentration camps in the world. It was Covenanter's Prison in Greyfriars Kirkyard. It's said to be one of the most haunted places in the world as a result, and Edinburgh, by the way, is one of the most haunted cities in the world. Alexander Graham Bell, the man credited with patenting the first practical telephone, was born in Edinburgh. And my final fact, an ancient underground city is located beneath the streets of Edinburgh. Some of the areas have been excavated and reopened which allows those with a curious mind to travel back in time on one of the city's many underground tours. The 2011 census data indicates a population of 476,626, but in 2022 it's probably over 520,000. This episode includes discussions around mental health and graphic descriptions of a very young child's murder. As always, listener discretion is advised. Now let me set the scene. It's approaching 9pm. You're just about to say goodnight to your son. He's three years old, so you've likely got a unique bedroom ritual that you go through, as you do every night. Perhaps it's singing a particular song, or repeating the words, 
don't let the bed bugs bite several times in various tones of voice until your eventual frustration puts an end to the proceedings. Can you tell I've got a kid yet? Regardless, your baby boy is in his bed and you make your way back to the living room. He typically shares a room with his twin sister, but he's been under the weather recently, so you decide it'd be best if he was given some space for the night and slept alone. The following morning, you make your way to his bedroom and cross your fingers that he'll wake up in a good mood today rather than choosing screams for breakfast. But within a couple of seconds, you realise something is very wrong. You rub your eyes to make sure what you're seeing is not just an awful dream. Your son's bed is empty and there's no sign of him anywhere. In your panicky search around the flat, you realise his coat, gloves and shoes are also missing. It's not something you can quite wrap your head around yet, but it appears as though your little prince has run away from home. Worse still, you fear he may have been abducted by an unknown third party. The scene I've just set for you there is a sensationalised version of the story Rosdeep Adekoya told the police when she informed them that her three-year-old son Mikhail Kula was missing. It was on Thursday, January 16th, 2014, when the police were first informed of Rosdeep's concerns regarding Mikhail disappearing, with the events I've just described taking place the evening before. Let's get our Craig David on a little bit here and rewind. What on earth would prompt a little boy who was already feeling unwell to just up and leave home by himself? Would he have even been capable of doing so? The flat in which he lived was located in an apartment block at Ferrygate Crescent in Edinburgh. There's a series of apartment buildings at Ferrygate Crescent, and each one of them looks to have a heavy-duty security door with pin pads that require a code to be inputted to grant access. On the inside, I would imagine there is perhaps a green or red button that just unlocks the door when you push it, rather than requiring the entry of a code, but for a three-year-old to know all that and to successfully exit the building, that would have been remarkable. My daughter recently turned four and she can't quite figure out how to open locked doors with keys yet, so I highly doubt she'd be able to leave a secure apartment building. Living at the flat with Mikhail was his twin sister, two older brothers and an older sister. I've decided to keep Mikhail's siblings anonymous during this story to maintain their privacy. Mikhail's mother, Rosdeep, was a 33-year-old beauty therapist during the events of this week's story. Born in 1980, as far as I can tell, Rosdeep has a sister named Pandeep Kular and used to live with her mother and stepfather, Hajinda and Bangapat Krishnaswami, before moving to the flat at Ferrygate Crescent in the summer of 2012. Rosdeep's father was a local doctor. That's all I know about him. It was suggested that Rosdeep was in a relationship with a new man at the time of this story's events. However, I was unable to substantiate that point. You'd think that Rosdeep would have struggled for money, given she had five kids to look after and only a self-employed beautician's salary to help her with it. Despite those apparent setbacks, Rosdeep was said by her neighbours to live a dancing queen lifestyle. That's a term she used to describe herself, by the way. I haven't just come to that conclusion myself. What that term means, as far as my understanding goes, is that she was known in many of the city's nightclubs and was also extremely active on social media. She would often be seen in pictures online with Edinburgh-based security guard and drug dealer Mohammed Abdi, known more commonly as Mo. A quick side note here, 
Whilst researching this case, I came across an article that stated Moabdi had been shot and killed by a rival Somali drug gang in 2013. Mo was the son of Omar Abdi, the second imam at Edinburgh's Central Mosque, and he was shot and killed with a Mac-10 machine gun. Bringing the story back to Rosdeep, it was rumoured that her affiliation with Mo and other well-known individuals involved in drug trafficking was the reason she was able to live such a champagne lifestyle. At least, publicly, she could live that lifestyle. One of her neighbours went on record saying, the word in the area is that she was taking cocaine. The party girl Rosdeep had become was a far cry from the quiet persona she had back in her school days. She seems to have been a fairly good student and finished school, but shortly after leaving she married a Nigerian man named Omotoso Adekoya and it wasn't long before their first child was on the way. In total, the married couple had three children together in a short space of time before their relationship began to fail and ultimately ended. Having taken some time away from further education whilst raising her three kids, Rosdeep felt it was time to change that once her marriage broke down. She did a beauty course at Five College, which I believe is what led to her becoming a self-employed beautician. Makes sense. A few fleeting relationships came after the split from Omotoso, and Rosdeep reverted back to her maiden name of Kula, though legally she was still known as Rosdeep Adekoya. Mikhail and his twin sister were born on May 7th, 2010, and although some speculated as to who their true father was, it was in fact Rosdeep's childhood friend, Zahid Saeed. The pair weren't in a full-blown relationship, but Rosdeep had become pregnant all the same. When Zahid decided to end whatever they classed their relationship as, Rosdeep didn't take it well at all, and even threatened to kill herself if Zahid didn't take her back. That wasn't the first time Rosdeep had discussed attempting to take her own life. An attempt to do so took place in 2001, though I couldn't find any further information as to what the cause may have been. It may be that it was around the time she separated from Omatoso, but that is just conjecture because that would have made her 21 and I believe they got married when she was in her early 20s. What is not conjectured is that Rosdeep had a long history of mental health issues, including depression, stress and anxiety. She watched her father die in front of her when she was 16, so logically that likely had a massively detrimental effect on her mentally. One thing about this case that isn't well documented is the fact that Mikhail and his twin sister were placed into foster care a mere matter of weeks after being born. They were only returned to Rosdeep's care around six months before the tragic events of this week's story, so we're talking around July 2013 when the twins were three years old. The details involved with the decision to place the twins into foster care and then place them back into their mother's care are not something I was able to acquire. As the Christmas period approached in late 2013, Mikhail's attendance at Flora Stevenson Primary School's nursery suddenly came to a halt. Rosdeep informed the staff that Mikhail had been ill and was suffering due to having a chest infection. As 2013 turned into 2014, a series of bizarre events took place online that, in hindsight, foreshadowed the tragedy to come that January. Rosdeep's Instagram page was made up of a plethora of cheesy motivational quotes along with images of herself. Sounds pretty normal in this day and age, right? What if I told you the photos of Rosdeep had been cropped? Yeah, still pretty normal. But what if I told you the person she'd cropped out of the original image 
wasn't just a randomer at a club that had photobombed her. What if the cropped person was her three-year-old son, Mikhail, who was staring lovingly at his mother in the original image? That, by all accounts, is rather worrying behaviour. Worse still, whilst posting the cropped photos and inspirational quotes online, poor Mikhail was suffering daily beatings from his mother as a result of a disastrous trip to an Afro-Portuguese restaurant that has become a staple of British culture. I'm talking, of course, about Nando's. In the middle of January 2014, logically it will have been the 12th, Rosdeep visited the restaurant with her kids and family. It was all going so well until Mikhail suddenly felt sick and started to throw up repeatedly once they had returned to the flat at Ferrygate Crescent. Frustrated at her son for having eyes bigger than his belly, Rosdeep proceeded to beat him continuously for the next two to three days. In her eyes, Mikhail had disobeyed her and needed to be severely punished. The story will continue after these quick messages. And now, back to the story. It was later revealed in court that Rosdeep had inflicted more than 40 separate injuries to her son over those few days, with the fatal blows being dealt in the flat's bathroom. The throwing up wasn't stopping, and Rosdeep's frustrations were growing. She forcefully dragged Mikhail to the bathroom and shoved him over the edge of the bath, so his face will have been right down in the empty bath and his legs will have been hanging on the outside of it. She then proceeded to strike him on the back, and by strike him, I mean she punched him, for who knows how long until she felt that enough punishment had been dished out. Mikhail died a couple of days after those fatal blows as a result of his injuries. His cause of death was later confirmed as being the result of blunt force abdominal trauma, and rather than taking Mikhail to a doctor during those fateful final two days of suffering, Rosdeep felt that by doing so she would raise suspicion due to the volume of bruises present on her son's body. How cruel to think that the poor boy's death could have been prevented if only he'd been taken to a doctor. Based on what we've already discussed, it's clear that the story about Mikhail running away through the night was a load of bollocks created by Ros Deep in an attempt to cover her own tracks. The police were to know that though when they issued a nationwide alert on Thursday, January 16th, 2014. By Friday, January 17th, 2014, the story had broken nationally due to full-page articles published in the Independent and Evening Standard newspapers. Hundreds of volunteers, including family members and neighbours, formed a search party with the police in an attempt to find any shred of evidence that would lead to Mikhail being found. Nobody realised their searches were futile. Sniffer dogs were brought in to help, as were the fire service, coast guard and mountain rescue. The local areas were scoured by forensic teams, as was the flat at Ferrygate Crescent, but they found nothing. Mikhail appeared to have either disappeared into thin air or made the most miraculous escape ever achieved by a three-year-old. The neighbours remained sceptical about Mikhail's capabilities in relation to escape in the apartment building, and when the CCTV footage was looked at, there didn't appear to be any evidence of him leaving the flat that night. There was also no evidence of anyone else entering the building that night, all but ruling out the theory that a third party may have abducted Mikhail in the dead of night. Superintendent Liz McCainch of Police Scotland led the search, which was still being treated as a missing persons inquiry at that time. There was no evidence of a crime being committed. She said, As you can imagine, Mikhail's mother is distraught. 
She just wants our help and the public's help in finding her little boy. Sickening words to hear when you know the truth about what had really happened. Thankfully, it didn't take long for the truth to come out. Half an hour past midnight in the early hours of Saturday, January 18th, 2014, police officers confirmed they had found the body of a young boy whom they believed to be Mikhail Kula. The body was found in a woodland area behind a row of houses off Dunvegan Avenue in Kirkcaldy, located in the historic county of Fife. Police worked to know it at the time, but the body was found behind one house in particular, that of Rosdeep's mother and stepfather. Her sister still lived there too. The burial site is roughly 25 miles away from Rosdeep's flat at Ferrygate Crescent, and you can see an abundance of woodland behind the houses at Dunvegan Avenue. It therefore makes sense as to why that location was selected by Rosdeep. It was a familiar place that she knew inside out that had a convenient woodland area right behind it. It's unclear how the body was discovered and by whom, but Assistant Chief Constable Malcolm Graham said, A person has been detained in connection with the recovery of the body and members of Mikhail's family have been informed of the recovery. Our thoughts and sympathies are with them at this time. The truth was this. After realising that Mikhail had died through the night, Rosdeep had wrapped his little body in a duvet and placed it inside a suitcase. She then left him there at the flat while she took his twin sister to the nursery before returning and driving up to Dunvegan Avenue via the Queen's Ferry Crossing to bury her son behind her mum and sister's house. Whether or not her mother and sister knew about what had gone on is debatable, but if she was seen burying a suitcase by anyone, then surely some questions would have been asked. A few hours later on the Saturday, January 18th, Rosdeep was taken in for questioning in connection with Mikhail's disappearance and subsequent death. According to mygov.scot, if you're suspected of a crime but have not been charged yet, the police can hold you for up to 12 hours before they have to charge you with a crime or release you. The police can extend the hold up to a maximum of 24 hours without charge, but only if a senior police officer agrees to it. By 4pm that afternoon, witnesses said they saw an ambulance leaving the burial site with Mikhail's body inside. That evening, a rapidly organised memorial service was held at Muir House St Andrew's Church, with hundreds of local residents attending to show their sympathies for the loss of such a bright and fun-loving boy. Rosdeep would go on to be charged with Mikhail's murder and made a first court appearance on Monday, January 20th, 2014 at Edinburgh Sheriff Court. In Scotland, they have their own laws separate to that of England and Wales. The majority of cases are dealt with in Sheriff Courts unless they are of sufficient seriousness to go to the Supreme Courts at first instance. Criminal cases are heard by a sheriff and a jury but can also be heard by a sheriff alone. Civil matters are also heard by a sheriff sitting alone. Charged under her married name of Adekoya, Rosdeep's hearing was a private affair before Sheriff Frank Crow. The charges set against Rosdeep were the murder of Mikhail Kular and attempting to defeat the ends of justice. That second charge basically means that Rosdeep attempted to destroy, hide or otherwise attempt to cover up evidence that would link her to the commission of another crime, in this case the murder of her son. She did this by saying he had disappeared and involving various search and rescue teams when she knew Mikhail was already dead and buried behind her mum and sister's house. It's a slightly different charge to attempting to pervert the court of justice, which is when someone is alleged to have interfered with the justice process when things have progressed beyond that initial involvement of the police. 
Providing the police with a false name or alibi are simplistic examples of what that charge means. Rosdeep made no plea or declaration and was remanded in custody until a trial date was set. There was a huge public backlash on the back of this revelation, which actually led to a couple of arrests being made. Two men, aged 19 and 26 respectively, were taken in for questioning and later released on bail after posting racist tweets on Facebook and Twitter about Rosdeep and the case. Six months after being taken into custody, Rosdeep finally admitted to the police what she had done. She owned up to having killed Mikhail, but insisted she was not guilty of murder. Instead, she pleaded guilty to culpable homicide, which is considered to be a lesser charge. It's defined as the crime of killing someone or causing their death, but not intentionally. Not to be confused with manslaughter by way of diminished responsibility, which means the perpetrator committed the act whilst in an unbalanced mental state. Rosdeep was deemed fit to stand trial despite her history of mental health problems. Basically, she said she intentionally beat her son over a number of days, but she didn't mean to kill him. With a sentencing date set at August 26, 2014, Rosdeep was held on remand at HM Prison Conton Vale, a women's prison located in Stirling, central Scotland. It was then revealed that the police had concluded their searches of Rosdeep's computer and their findings were beyond concerning. Amongst her vast search history were things such as, I find it hard to love my son. Why am I so aggressive with my son? And get rid of bruises. Further evidence was also given via Rosdeep's mobile phone provider that showed her having travelled from her flat up to the address in Fife and back the day after Mikhail was said to have died. Prior to receiving a sentence from Judge Lord Glenny, Rosdeep said, It was an accident and I panicked. Defence counsel Brian McConaughey QC said, It appears from every source that this has been a brief period when this young woman has lost her temper and behaved in a way which is totally out of character for her. She would have to live with the consequences for the rest of her life. In attempting to explain the logic behind what Rosdeep had done, Brian McConaughey discussed the difficulties she had adjusting to motherhood and how she even debated putting Mikhail and his sister up for adoption before changing her mind and instead placing them into foster care. When it came time for Judge Lord Glennie to sentence Rosdeep, he went on record saying, What you did was cruel and inexcusable. He sentenced her to 11 years in prison after confirming that the Crown had accepted she did not intend to kill Mikhail. She was found guilty of culpable homicide and attempting to defeat the ends of justice. Whilst in prison, things didn't exactly go smoothly for Rosdeep. It was reported in March 2019 that she was allowed to leave the prison twice a week to work at a local Salvation Army charity shop in Stirling. She complained to anyone who would listen about how much she hated doing it and that everyone she came into contact with stank. She was also spotted out and about at Edinburgh's Central Library when she was supposed to remain at a halfway house. As a result, she was recalled to prison. Shockingly, Rosdeep was released from Cortonvale Prison in April 2021, after serving just over seven years' worth of total jail time, if you include time on remand, but less than seven years from the sentencing date. She was allegedly a model prisoner, something which she felt would ensure her early release. She was right. When news broke of Rosdeep's release, she attempted to shut down media reports of what she had done to her son. She applied for an anonymity order in May 2021 to restrict reporting on her identity, but it was rejected by Scotland's highest court. 
Her logic behind the request was that such reports put her safety at risk. Several leading media organisations argued against such an order, and the rejection of Rosdeep's application swiftly followed. In perhaps one of the most devastating aspects of this case, Mikhail's dad Zahid Saeed only found out that Rosdeep had been released from prison after hearing about it through the press. In relation to her release, Zahid said, It's not enough. What she did was horrific. The justice system has failed my son. And that was the story of British murderer Rosdeep Adekoya. Thanks again to the listener who decided to remain anonymous for suggesting that case and for providing some vital information with my research. I've got one new review to read out this week. Thank you, Leanne Shaw, for leaving a five-star rating and review at BritishMurders.com. Titled Best UK Crime Podcast, Leanne's review said, You are straight to the point, but with plenty of facts. I have heard a lot of cases that I didn't even know existed. Your accent is awesome, your real one. The attempts at other accents are shit mostly. (laughs) Makes me laugh anyway. Shared with all my friends in groups about True Crime UK and with anyone who listens, really. I think my accents are (laughs) alright. They're not really, they're terrible. Leanne also recently joined the show's Patreon page, so thank you for that, Leanne. I really appreciate your kind words and continued support. It does mean a lot to me. Suppose you'd like to leave a review of the show and have it read on a future episode. You can do so on iTunes, Facebook, Podchaser or over at BritishMurders.com. You can also leave star ratings on Spotify. If you'd like to support the show on Patreon like Leanne did or donate on a one-off basis via Buy Me A Coffee, you can find the links for each on the website. Please continue to email your case suggestions to BritishMurdersPodcast at gmail.com or simply message me via social media. You'll not only get the episode covered, but you'll also get a cheeky little shout out. That's it for another episode. I've been Stuart Blues. This has been British Murders. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, cheerio. Cheerio.